This is episode 71, Thriving After a Cancer Diagnosis with Rebecca Witt. It's Erica here. Thank you so much for being here. I have said this many times before, but I don't think I can say it enough. I just want to express my gratitude for you being here and giving your valuable time and attention to our podcast, to our episodes. It continues to blow my mind just how impactful this project has been for myself. And I know I can speak for Lauren when I say this as well. We just super appreciate your support. And when you reach out and let us know that you're enjoying the episodes and I can say that between this podcast and the work that I do in my business that I've just never felt so fulfilled and so aligned and so on purpose <laughs> than I do now. And, you know, human design is a big piece of showing me and reflecting back to me and validating how true that is, right? I'm definitely living my design at this point in time. And you're a big piece of that. So thank you for being here. I have so much gratitude for you. And I'm going to start out this episode before I get into our beautiful guest and our beautiful topic for today. I want to start by sharing a quick story. And this has to do with my understanding around my emotions and the impact that my journey with my emotions have had up until this point. You know, right now I feel like I'm in the most amazing place with my emotions. I have a lot of them. I have high highs and low lows often and all over the place. And in the past, I've really demonized that mostly because I didn't understand them, right? I didn't have the language to really understand what was happening, but I want to share kind of one of my core memories that I have where I remember this was one of the first times that I learned that having emotions is not safe. So I remember I was in elementary school. I'm not sure exactly which grade, but I know I wasn't feeling well and I went to the office or wherever you went when you weren't feeling well so they could like call your mom to have them come pick you up and take you home. And I was sitting in the office and I remember I was crying because that's kind of just what I did when I didn't feel well. Like I'm like, I'm sick and I'm crying and that's how (laughs) this sickness is expressing or whatever else was going on. And I remember the person in the office was like, why are you crying? Do you always cry when you get sick? And I don't really remember much else about that interaction, except I think something at that moment kind of shifted or shut down in me, right? It was this belief that, oh, it's not safe to cry when I'm sick, or it's not safe to have emotions in front of strangers. Other people don't understand my emotions, right? So whatever the belief was that developed from this moment, it had a profound impact. And I'm sure there were lots of other moments where my emotions were received as too much and where people kind of reflected that back to me. Now, I'm not saying they necessarily did it on purpose to be mean or shut me down. It was probably just people like genuinely being curious, like that woman in the office, like, hey, do you always cry when you get sick? That was probably just a genuine question. But my little highly sensitive, tiny human brain was like, ding, 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 alert, alert, this is not safe. And so then if you look at the rest of my life, pretty much up until about, I guess, four four or five years ago when I started going to therapy, you really see this theme of emotional suppression and not having tools to actively process my emotions in a healthy way. And I've shared this before on the podcast, but I believe that emotional suppression is a big part of my autoimmunity and the physical symptoms that I get with that, even today, like stress and emotional suppression are my biggest triggers. 
So why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing this because one, there's a lot going on in the world at this moment that this episode is being released. And two, I think that the power of understanding our emotions and expressing our emotions and attuning to and aligning with our emotions is one of the most powerful things we can do as emotional beings. And you might remember Brooke Nielsen. She was a guest. Oh, I should have looked up the episode. I'll drop her episode in the show notes, but she was a guest previously. She is a therapist for highly sensitive people. And Lauren and I loved our conversation with her so much. We talked about what is an HSP and what that means and how to improve your mental health when you are an HSP. And just as a quick reminder, so the scientific terminology for the trait is sensory processing sensitivity. So it's just highly sensitive people, not necessarily only doing with emotions. This can be too light and like sensory stimulation, and you're just highly attuned and aware of subtle energies and sensitivities around you. So go listen to that episode. If that resonates with you, it'll be mind-blowing. But anyway, Brooke lives in Denver or in Colorado, and We got together earlier this year and we were just sharing and talking about our emotions and being HSPs. And I was sharing with her some of the information of how human design talks about emotions because there is one of the energy centers in human design, the emotional solar plexus. This is one of our motor centers. So it's actually a center for energy, emotional energy that is. And I was just sharing what human design says and how it's just crazy impacted and shifted and changed it changed it. It's shifted and changed my relationship with my emotions. And I have never felt so clear and aligned and like not afraid of my emotions because I think that's what happens is when you have really big emotions and high highs and low lows and deep, deep feelings about things and you don't know what to do with them, they're scary. So I was just sharing some human design philosophy around emotions and we were having such a beautiful conversation. And then I think it was Brooke that mentioned it. She's like, you need to do a masterclass on this. And then I was like, I think you need to do a masterclass with me on this. And that's exactly what we're doing. And this was before all the things in the world kind of <laughs> blew up in the recent capacity that they have. So, you know, I think it's it's good timing because I know as a highly sensitive person, when you tune into the trauma and the energy of the world, it can feel overwhelming. And sometimes my first instinct is to kind of shut it out because I'm like, I don't even know how to go there, at least previously. Now I do. So all of that to say, <laughs> Brooke and I are doing a masterclass on March 13th. It will be at 3 p.m. Mountain Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a Sunday. And the masterclass is called Transform Your Emotional Chaos into Clarity. And this is really for anyone who feels exhausted and overwhelmed by their feelings. If you tend to numb out by scrolling Instagram or watching Netflix or, you know, having one or too many cookies, if you feel like a mess, kind of like you're always on an emotional roller coaster, if you judge yourself for having such big reactions to things, this workshop is definitely for you. And if you kind of look around and wonder how it seems like everyone else manages to stay calm and collected all the time, it's like, what the heck? How do they do that? And finally, this workshop is for you if you feel like you're going to snap if someone tells you to relax after you have an emotional reaction one more time. Like, Let's all just take a moment and appreciate how annoying it is when someone's like, hey, can you just relax? And it's like, no, (laughs) actually I can't. Thank you. And in the event, we're going to 
I'm going to give an introduction to human design and what the system reveals about our emotional superpowers and how human design approaches emotions. And then Brooke is going to approach it from the psychology perspective and her work as a therapist. She's going to talk about the hidden messages that your feelings are sending you that are key to getting your needs met. A lot of times our emotions are just these alarm systems that are like, hey, something's off here. What do you need right now? We're going to go through simple tools um, and things you can do to ground yourself and really get through those big emotional highs and lows, even on the worst day. And then we're going to help you figure out the clarity you've needed all along to help you finally understand yourself. That will be the biggest piece. You will walk away from this masterclass being like, ah, okay, I get it. There's nothing wrong with me. This is just a piece of me that I get to understand. If you'd like to join us, the tickets are only $22. I will drop the link to the sign-up page in the show notes. Of course, if you have any questions, let me know. But otherwise, I think this is going to be a very impactful two hours, a great way to spend a Sunday afternoon. And of course, we will record the event and share a replay in case you can't be there live. But if you are able to show up live, you'll be able to ask questions. We'll make it as interactive as we can, but it'll mainly be about educating and sharing and just sending you off with some new tools to understand your emotions. Okay, now it's time to get on to our episode, and this episode is very special to me. I'll share a little background about how we came about to talk about this topic and interview this specific human. I personally have someone very close to me in my life who is going through cancer treatment, and it was really scary and devastating when I heard the news, and she she used to listen to the podcast. Maybe she still does, so you know who you are if you're listening, but it was it like rocked my world, right? It wasn't even happening to me, but when something like this happens to someone close to us, it can be just as earth shattering. And one thing I really wanted to understand was like, how do you support someone in your life who's going through this when you've never gone through it yourself? And when you want to be sensitive, but also supportive and not overbearing, but there for them if they need you, it's like there's a lot of interesting boundaries and different lines you don't want to cross. But then Becky, our guest today, kind of came into my orbit not too long after someone actually suggested that we have her on the podcast, and it ended up being a great fit. So I'm so excited to share Becky's story with you because she is a two-time cancer survivor and now living a very full life where she helps people with their health. And I just think it's important for us to hear these stories so that we can always continue to have hope in case this situation pops up in your life to you or anyone around you. So a little bit about Becky. She is the co-owner of Holistic Nutrition. She's a certified holistic nutrition consultant and certified integrative health coach. She specializes in using a root cause approach to help people of all ages address gut health, hormone health, weight health, disease prevention, and deep detoxing. As a two-time cancer survivor, cancer prevention using a mind, body, and soul approach is near and dear to her heart. And that's really the center of our conversation today. So you can check the show notes to connect with Becky after if you'd like. There's also some links to a few resources, some books that she mentioned that sound pretty amazing. And otherwise, if you're listening and you love the episode, take a screenshot of you listening on your phone, share it to your Instagram 
Instagram stories and tag us at there's a hack for that. We just kind of selfishly, I ask you to do that because I know Lauren and I just get really getting and excited when we see the takeaways that people have from episodes. So take a screenshot, share it to your IG stories, tag us, let us know one thing you loved about the episode or something you learned. And of course, connect with us after. And now on to our conversation with Becky Witt. Hi, Becky. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, ladies, for having me. This is exciting. Yeah. And you're so I know you're in central time. Where are you located again? I'm in Wisconsin. Okay. Oh, I love Wisconsin. I go to Madison for work when I travel for work, and it's one of my favorite places to visit. Awesome. Yeah. My husband and I lived there for eight years. <sighs> it's magical, magical place. It, it's a great place. Now we are an hour east of the Twin Cities. Oh, cool. Oh, very cool. Well, today we're kind of covering and diving into a big topic that, you know, depending on what people's experience is with this, whether they've gone through it themselves or maybe have a loved one who has, you know, I imagine there might be some emotions or big things that come up. So to the listeners, you know, take care of yourself. Obviously, you can pause and come back as you need. But The reason why I was so drawn, Becky, to have you on and share your story, we were in a small cohort last summer going through a course and someone else in the group told me about your story. And, you know, cancer has certainly touched lives of people I love. And I think the biggest thing is just getting the story out, understanding the perspective. So I'm excited to dive into that with you. But let's start first. I'm going to start a little bit backward. Usually we have people tell their story, but because that's kind of what we're here for, let's start with present day. So tell us a little bit about what you do now, and then we'll kind of work backward from there. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so now I have my own office as an integrative health practitioner, holistic nutritionist, holistic health practitioner, I mean, countless other certifications. And I do that full time. I see clients from the age of three all the way up to 80. And it just is so fulfilling. I I love it. So I do that every, every day, but the weekends. Amazing. Yeah. And Lauren has done some work with me on the integrative health practitioner side with functional lab testing and stuff like that. So big fan, big fan, big fan. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Very integrative health practitioner. Is that you, Lauren? No, it's Erica. Oh, oh, awesome. So she's done work with you. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, what, what tests can we run? I want all the information. I mean, we've done four now and the, every single one has completely changed my life as far as like me understanding myself better and actually living a lifestyle that supports my body. It's just, ugh, you, you guys do, do real important work. Big fan. The getting yeah. to the root cause is so important and, and there's never just one, there's multiple and it's a journey and just embracing mm-hmm. every aspect of that journey is just huge. And I love walking people through it and guiding them and. Oh yeah. I'm, I have results coming next week and I'm like, just yeah, chomping at the bit, <laughs> chomping at the bit. <laughs> Yeah. And it's so interesting because I mean, some people come in and they, you know, Becky, I'm sure you experienced this. They want to run everything at once, like just give me all the data. But with, with my clientele, usually they're burnt out and fatigued and, and exhausted. So like with Lauren, we ran a test here and there and she was able to like slowly implement the information that she received and still, you know, it's, it's not like a 
surefire instant success thing but over time you look back and you're like oh that was really valuable and look how I'm far it's your come. star client it's okay you can tell people yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going at it at a pace like that is so beneficial too it yeah. was still hard don't get me wrong but like it was a lot more supported in right. like right. my household in my friendship in my all of it anyway mm-hmm. glad to know Perfect. that we have some like mutual love of things here yes and and I guess so the next question I was going to ask is just diving in like when did you get your first cancer diagnosis and what was that time of your life like but I also want to add in like because the work that you do now and I know for me I do this work because it blossomed out of my need to kind of heal myself first and find a different way so I'm also curious if you want to weave in like that part of the story as well like how you ended up doing this work. Yeah, so it certainly did. It certainly has weaved in. I was 28 when I was diagnosed. I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I had a 20 centimeter mass from my thyroid down past my heart, and then it grew into my back. So left lung was collapsed. My trachea was pushed over. I had fluid on my lungs. I was about a week or two out of the ICU. That's how crazy it was. I was driving to work one day and I was like, huh, I can't feel my collarbone on one side. So I did ultrasound at the time. I was in Western medicine at a major hospital in Madison and I got to work and I put the ultrasound probe down. And before you know it, I'm like, that doesn't belong there. That that shouldn't be there. And long story short, that day I had a CT scan, a biopsy and a diagnosis of lymphoma. Wow. Within a matter of three hours. It's got chills. I know. That was like, that's so much information. (laughs) Yeah. And my dad had passed away from lymphoma actually three years prior to almost that month. So I thought instantly like, oh my gosh, it's the same type of lymphoma he had. Like, here we go. And um, not realizing there's all these different types and, and everything. So, but when he was diagnosed, we knew what caused it. So we knew that he had lymphoma that had developed from undiagnosed celiac disease. So he didn't know he had celiac disease, kept eating gluten and, you know, the inflammation just kept brewing. And before you know it, he had lymphoma of the intestines. And so, and that's pretty rare, but anyway, so at that time I was like, okay, we know why we know what caused his. So I just kept asking why, how did I not, not why me, you know, as in victim mode, but more as in like, how did I get this? How can I heal myself from the inside out? Like there's, And then that took me down a rabbit hole of, oh my goodness, there is so much more that we can do about this disease. There's so much more that we can do to prevent it, to heal from it. And yeah, so I did, I did do chemo. I did radiation. Looking back now, would I change things? No, because honestly, it's, it's taught me stuff. And I was a week out of the ICU. There's no way I was going to heal myself naturally, probably. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't put those limitations on myself, but... At the time, right. it, was, it was the option I knew. So I did that. Were you, at, at that point, were you already health-focused and health-conscious? Well, I was gluten-free. So, you know, I was like, all right, I'm healthy. I am gluten-free. I'm running races. I'm running, you know, 5Ks, 10Ks, Ragnar, relays, all this sort of stuff. I was training for a fitness competition, wow. um, figure competition. I was training for that, you know, so I was... I was healthy per se, ate the macros, followed that, you know, did all the counting, weighing, you name it, I did it. So I was healthy, I guess you could say. 
In society's perception, certainly, like from the outside and all of your behaviors that you probably share publicly, yeah, you seem like the super healthy person. And especially, oops, sorry, I was just going to say, especially at so young, you know, that that's the biggest blind side is just so I understand your confusion of like, what now? Like, how did this, like, yeah, not the victim of it, like, how did this actually happen? Yeah. So that sent me on a journey as I did the chemo radiation and I was like, all right, sweet, bump in the road. Let's keep going. Let's keep working full time, taking all the call, doing all the things, keeping up, living this American dream that we're supposed to, you know, like having two cars in the driveway, the house in the burbs, all this sort of stuff. And did not even realizing that it was killing me on the inside. There's so much more too that goes into cancer. And so I dove into nutrition right away dove into nutrition, started reading books, all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, I went on with life, you know, went back to work full time, all this. And then I relapsed and it was like, okay. And my doctor had told me, no, there's a 4% chance of relapse. Like this just doesn't happen. And so I have started feeling stuff in my chest earlier. And I was like, I brought it up to him and I said, you know, hey, I think, you know, it could be back. And he said, no, this doesn't happen. You're fine. So actually six months went by and he told me I could get my port taken out. And I said, no, I'm not getting my port taken out until you give me a CT scan. Sure enough, it was back. It was all over throughout my chest. It was down by my spleen, my liver, all over the place in my chest. So I knew I was going in for a stem cell transplant. And then after that was immunotherapy. So I actually did three more rounds of intense chemo, three days on, two weeks off, three days on, two weeks off. And then I had a stem cell transplant where they gave you chemo for five days straight, twice a day to kill every cell in your body. Hmm. And then they give you your stem cells back to literally bring you back to life and hope that they engraft and that. Yeah. So it was that. You're like a scientific miracle too. The fact that all these things are real. <laughs> it sounds like sci-fi. <laughs> like you just go through the motions. And um, it was at that point that I realized, okay, there's more to healing than just nutrition and lifestyle and physical. There's this whole other emotional, spiritual mm-hmm. realm that I was not in tune with, that I was actually ignoring. And uh, I'm so grateful I, w- I relapsed because I would never would have discovered that side. What a powerful statement. (laughs) And yeah. And also I just want to extract a lesson in there that I know I talk about quite a bit and I hear this over and over and again from my clients and I'm sure you do too, Becky, but it's the idea that you knew your body, you were like, something is off. Like this is back. This is not correct. And your doctor is like, that's not, you know, science says it's only a 4% chance. And so that I want to take a moment to reiterate that because time and time and again, it's like, trust yourself, trust your knowing because we're, we're taught, especially I think just to discount what we know or like our intuition doesn't make sense because it's like a knowing and it doesn't have any logic, but it's like, just trust your gut. And if someone tells you no, go find someone who will give you the yes or whatever you need. And so I love that you were able eventually to use leverage of like, you're not taking my port out until you do a scan because something is wrong here. So I commend you so much for doing that because it's not easy. 
there's so much to be said for that and find a doctor who listens like just find somebody who listens because we we do have that innate intuition and that's why nowadays with clients it's developing that it's becoming back in tune with your body because my mm. head was so disconnected from my body I'm like how do you not know that you have a 20 centimeter mass growing in your chest like you're pretty disconnected so that's my yeah. goal nowadays and there was other things along the way too like there's a toxicity that you can develop in your lungs from chemo and I had started developing shortness of breath stuff like that and my doctor told me well you're running during chemo nobody runs nobody works out during chemo it's just finally taking a toll on you and I actually brought it a month went by and I brought him in a study and I said hey I think I have bleomycin lung toxicity like here's a study this is what it is and um he said, no, that rarely happens, like totally discarded, disregarded it. For three months, it went by until I couldn't walk from my bedroom to my kitchen without stopping and gasping for air. And then I got a CT scan immediately and I had infiltrates throughout both my lungs. That's yeah. so frustrating. So advocate for yourself. You are <laughs> your own best advocate. Become in tune with your body. Listen to your body. Yeah, I can't say it enough. I, before I became a health coach, I was deep in my own story of this, like not as severe, but just decades of doctors not listening and dismissing my symptoms. And even to this day, I don't have an autoimmune disorder, but I have a condition and I'm on the spectrum. So doctors are like, that's not autoimmunity. And I'm like, well, I have these markers. And just because it's not lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, like you can still try and help me. But anyway, I, I had a dream of starting a business where I was simply a health advocate where I would just like go with people to their appointments and just like speak up where they can't. Cause I know I've done this, like even with everything I know when I'm in an appointment with my doctor, it's like that, like God complex comes in and it's just intimidating. And I, I like forget to speak up for myself sometimes. So it's like, I want to create like a service where I can go around and just like talk back to the doctors for the client to be like, you listen here, sir or ma'am. <laughs> but That's anyway. so true. My family, I grew up where when you went to the doctors, you took someone with you. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like that extra set of ears. Totally. And like my emotional response will be different than like my mom's when I was going to yeah. her appointments with her. It's a good hack. So it is a good hack. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be a family member. It just has to be someone you trust. And as long as the doctor's aware that they... You, you brought this person in because you trust them. They're going to say whatever they're going to say. Yeah, yeah. But I found that it kind of diffuses that like intimidation factor. Because one-on-one, when you're in a vulnerable position dealing with something that doesn't make you feel good, there's always going to be an imbalance of power. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. so bringing that person in, I love that you wanted to do that as a business. That was my first idea. <laughs> Great ideas. I was like, I'm just going to go let my rage out on all the doctors in, in honor of other people. <laughs> and just because you do, you're in such a high emotional state when you're there that you forget half the stuff that they tell you. So somebody just to write things down that you can revisit later is huge. So true. I think I'm going to, I don't go to the doctor that often anymore, but next time I do, Lauren, you're going to fly out here and come with me. <laughs> okay. I was actually just thinking, that just made me think I would like to do my results for my hormone on a video so we can record it because there's I'm not ever going to be able to hear everything that you say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but like yep. these types of things, like I can revisit it when I'm ready to digest more. Yep. 100%. Anything? Yeah. Anything else, Becky, you want to, we kind of like inter interrupted a little bit, but like what else wants to come out from your story of just like, I mean, I don't think it's, is it over? <laughs> it's probably not done. 
<laughs> well, you know, honestly, like the emotional part, that was a huge thing. And then I, I had hired a holistic functional doctor after mm. my stem cell transplant. And honestly, within three, no, four months of working with him, I felt better in my entire life. After my stem cell transplant than I had in my entire life, I felt better after my stem cell transplant than I had in my entire life because of all the work we started doing with the gut and with the adrenals and all this. Mm -hmm. I had pots forever. I had discovered I had mold growing in my gut. I had all these things that were probably contributing to my ability to heal. So, and then that got me on to, okay, how do I do this? How do I help people? How do I, you know, make this? Because I was became so passionate about it, so I slowly, yeah. you know, weaned out of Western medicine and into my own practice. Kept taking courses, learning and learning and growing. I love how the the type of work that you both do. It's about like you realize there was a different way to do things, and you understand that it can be a complement. Or actually, Western medicine could be a complement to what you do, because that's how I feel about it. <laughs> um, but that you understand that it's not like you it, this one thing worked for you and that's what you want to help people do you want to help people discover what will work for them it's not like you're selling a a program that worked for you i love that it's really about the, the other person you're trying to help them discover themselves i just love that yeah it's like there's this whole kind of secret world of healing and i, I know for me it feels like a big goal is just to like uncover that secret. It's like, this should not be a secret. This should be information that everyone knows inherently. Like this is what should be taught, <laughs> you know, when we're young, as opposed to, you know, and again, you know, always have to give the disclaimer, like capitalism. <laughs> well, yeah, like I, my dad's a doctor. So I've said this before, but it's like, I grew up with the mentality that when you're sick, you take a pill or you go to the doctor and you do what they say and no questions asked. And I don't think my parents listen to this podcast, but mom and dad, if you're listening, sorry, but it's like, even to this day, sometimes like they're open-minded, but I have to be like, that's not what I want. Like I am, I want to be the expert on my body. I do not trust my doctor to be the ex expert on my body. Unfortunately, that's a very true statement, but yeah. And Becky, what are some of the, like, obviously when we think about whether we've gone through it ourselves or we have a loved one, or maybe we are lucky and we don't know anyone personally or close to us who has gone through this, but you know, I can imagine like just hearing your story and like being empathic and putting myself in your shoes. Like there's parts that are like, yeah, this would be really tough, mentally challenging. Like who knows what it does to the family, but what are some of the challenging aspects of this experience that maybe people who haven't gone through it, through it themselves wouldn't really think about. Cause I think the more awareness we can spread, the more compassion we can all have for this process. And then like, whether it's ourselves or someone else going through it. Yeah. Great question. There's so much to unpack there. And especially as a young adult cancer survivor, I feel like that's completely different because there are so many other things that go along with that. That's just the isolation, the mm -hmm. isolation that nobody knows that you're going through and people are afraid to like say things, afraid to ask, afraid to like, it's awkward. Nobody really knows what to do. And so having that core group of friends that I had to just, that were just there, they just showed up, you know, being with my, having my husband there was huge, but just finding other cancer survivors on Instagram, you would not believe it, but I developed so many close relationships with Instagram survivors that were going through the same thing I did. 
I'm sorry, what was the question again? (laughs) Yeah, just um, other challenging aspects of navigating the experience that others might not think about if they haven't gone through it. So the isolation. Oh, isolation, work-life balance, like trying to Mm. work. I put that pressure on myself and society does that as well, that, you know, you maintain a normal life, you keep working. And honestly, I think that's why one of the reasons I relapsed too was I never stopped. I got chemo on Friday took Saturday, Sunday, Monday off, went back to work Tuesday, all the way up until the following week chemo so that I could keep, you know, working full time, getting, making that paycheck and all this sort of stuff when really we should be focusing on healing at a deep root cause level. So that was huge. And then just dealing with all the other issues that come along with chemo, like infertility, all these other things, like nobody tells you about. Like I didn't even have the option to like harvest eggs, freeze eggs, nothing like that. So then it's all afterwards. It's like, okay, survivor guilt, infertility, all these other issues that nobody, the mental health aspect that nobody talks about. So I went to books and just started diving in and read every self-help book under the sun. And I think it wouldn't, if I wasn't for that, I would not be in the same place I am today. Are there any books that stand out in your memory that were, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot, but like one or two that are especially like, oh, this one really was helpful going through that process? So the anti-cancer lifestyle, that was huge. That was just a great foundation with nutrition, toxins, all that sort of stuff. But um, Gabrielle Bernstein, The Universe Has Your Back, Mm, that that was great. Eckhart Tolle's A New Life. Also that love that great. book. <laughs> I mean, all these um, spiritual, emotional books, because it was like, oh, I didn't even know there was this aspect to healing. And I've been on that journey ever since. Yeah. What would you say played the largest part in getting you through everything? I mean, you mentioned mentioned a few things, but just getting through the chemo and a relapse, like with a specific people. I mean, you mentioned the books and stuff, but anything else you would add to that that really? Oh, my husband, for sure. Uh, For sure. I mean, it changed our marriage completely. And we just decided, okay, we just need to come from a place of love, whether we're talking about a hard topic, an easy topic, as long as we set that intention and we make that intention clear that no matter how it comes across or whatnot, we are coming from a place of love and understanding. And that's what we want for each other. I mean, that was huge. And even taking that into other aspects, into other relationships, um, setting an intention and being clear about your intentions and just releasing fear, releasing judgment, because when it comes down to it, I mean, it, we're, we all, it comes back to love. And if, we're, if we step into love and out of fear, everything else falls into place. Hmm. Yeah. And Another question I have is around like support, like putting, supporting others going through this. Cause, and you mentioned like the isolation kind of comes from the idea that we're not really taught how to quote unquote deal with this. So it's like, do I just say something about it? Or then we tend to like back away from someone who's going through this. So what would your advice be for others who want, who like, chances are we're going to have someone in our life that deals with this and like, how can we best support them? Like, is it bringing them food or is it just, you know, being very honest and like, Hey, I know you're going through this. I don't really know how to help you. Please let me know. Like what kind of guidance do you have there? Honesty. Honesty is the best. If you're thinking about them, send them a text. If you're, 
you know, send them a card or something like that. Just let them know that you're there. Food, gosh, well, I had so many food sensitivities. I would be like, no, (laughs) please don't cook for me. (laughs) But packages, stuff like that. But honestly, phone calls, text messages. I loved waking up to like, I would take and be in bed for days at a time. And I would all of a sudden wake up out of a brain fog and be like, oh my gosh, like, and have text message conversations. That was great. Walks, dinners with girlfriends when I felt up to it. Like those normal things in life that we take for granted, being fully present, like that's just a gift. So just to be Mm -hmm. honest, tell people, like, I don't know what to say, but just know I'm here for you. I'm sure that those types of support also were beneficial to your husband because being a partner of somebody who's going through something like that is also a whole journey. I'm, I, I hope that he's also processing that and able to talk about it one day because that's being in a committed relationship of any kind, even a best friendship and your best friend has some health struggles like that. You're providing support for your person, but then you're also experiencing it too. So did he have people that supported him through it also? Yeah. And that's a great point. Honestly, he should talk about it more because he was (laughs) the best caretaker. He still is to this day. Yeah. Having that is huge because I think it was harder on him. I tell people, I think it was harder on him to watch me go through it than it was on me. And so, yeah, he had, we kept normalcy. He had friends also, not as many as I did. We honestly, clear communication with each other was huge in doing everything together. It brought us closer together. And I, I understand not everybody has that option, but to find those people and to just love on them like that's and lean on them because we're so afraid to ask for help and to mm-hmm. take it. And if you don't have a practice of, of asking for help when you're in like an actual crisis, it's harder to actually get the help you need when you don't even have a practice of asking for it when it's something that you would consider minor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always take clients through a process of like, it's like, okay, ask for support in something tiny now, like do it once once a day, even if it's just like, like Lauren, sometimes I'll text you and be like, hey, I... I'm feeling this. I don't need anything from you. I just need to like be witnessed in it, whatever. Like even something like that is just sometimes it's really uncomfortable, but by practicing reaching out in those times where it's not like it's not a crisis makes it easier to reach out when you actually, I hate saying need, but when you need the support and you deserve it, we all deserve it. We do because being a human is all about helping each other out. It, it really is. We just forget that because the society mm-hmm. and, you know, I love how Dr. Marisa calls it rushing women syndrome. We have that. Like we forget what it's really truly means to be present and to be here on earth. And thankfully mm-hmm. cancer taught me that. And well, I mean, I forget it every time, you know, every once in a while and more times than I would care to, but it was, I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, you mentioned kind of the mental, emotional, spiritual side. So I don't know if you feel comfortable or want to dive into that a little bit, because I know there's some shamans and more spiritual leaders that I follow. And I, I both love and also kind of fear their perspective on cancer. I don't know if you're familiar with Shaman Durek. He's amazing. Yeah. So he, I think I was listening to his podcast or an interview with he was doing. And it was like, I was visiting a client who had cancer and I went up to her, him, and I said, why don't you want to be here? Or it was like, it was like a question like that. Like, 
why don't you want to live? And the person was like, what are you talking about? Of course I want to live. And he's like, no, you don't. You basically, it's like you created this cancer because you don't want to be here anymore. And so it was like this, you know, hearing that it's like kind of shocking, like, oh my gosh, like I did this, but also it's kind of an empowering, like, okay, like what, like, what is this here to tell me? So how does that land for you? Oh, well, I am 100% aligned with that. And it was hard, hard, hard to hear when I, when I would read the books that said that when I would listen to the podcast that said that when he would talk about that, I was like, Ooh, but it wasn't until I addressed that, that I fully healed because it, cancer is an opportunity to radically transform your life, whether that be nutrition, relationships, heart opening, mind opening, spiritual, all of it. Like it's an opportunity to radically transform your life. And I think you could, that can go for any diagnosis, whether that be diabetes, PCOS, you name it. It's an opportunity, opportunity to radically transform your life. And yeah, if I look back, I never processed my dad's passing properly. Like I held that in. There's so many other things that we, yeah, we have to process in order to fully heal from cancer. And it does, we can hold things in and cancer can manifest from emotions alone. Anita, Anita Morjani, she has a great book called Dying to Be Me. And she talks about how her cancer was spreading like wildfire. She went into a coma. And when she went on to the, when she passed to the other side, she finally realized that she got this because she wasn't living her true self. She wasn't being true to herself in wasn't embracing love. And yeah, that was huge for me. That was like, yep, totally resonated. So, yeah. so I do I feel, align with what he says for sure. I feel like that's been my experience just with like the information I've gotten in the last year between functional lab testing and human design. It's like, oh, like all of my disease, as Erica likes to say, mm-hmm. was self, not necessarily self-produced, like a lot of it had to do with programming and the lifestyle I was brought up in and like all this other stuff. But once you wake up to that at any age, you can't go back. You can't unknow the thing when once you know it. And like I've been doing a lot of practice in connecting to my body, like acknowledging it as a sentient being because my mind is is not necessarily separate, but it's a passenger of. And like when you make that connection, it's like, oh, I'm anxiety is a symptom. Let's reconnect to the body. Let's see if it can tell me what's going on. And every time I do that, I get an answer. But like we aren't taught to to cultivate that mind body connection. We're just like running around in this, you know, vessel that we were given that has an expiration date (laughs) and if we like if we misuse it or we don't treat it the way it needs to be to function its best it's going to develop these types of things and i think that's empowering too because we have the power to connect to ourselves we have the power to dig deeper and figure out what's truly going on absolutely it's a it's a um not as mainstream thought process. It's more mainstream than it used to be, honestly. Like 2020, talk There's about, an awakening happening for sure. But like, it's just not part of our culture. And I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to be, you know, connecting and being in community with people that are, are seeking it out. But it, it can be once you find it, you can't unknow it. It's hard to ignore once you've, once you've found it. Yeah. 
And Becky, I love I love the quote that you said, cancer is an opportunity to radically transform your life. And another um, quote that comes to mind from the book Existential Kink, I'm totally blanking on the author, but she says, having is evidence of wanting and she does a lot of shadow work. But I know for me and like my autoimmunity, I was a year and a half symptom free. And then in September, it started flaring up once a month. And it was like this disheartening of like I've done all the things, I've done all the labs, I've done all the protocols, taken all the supplements, all the stuff. And I've even done a lot of like mental, emotional work. But for me, that evidence or having is evidence of wanting and like, why did, why am I doing this for myself? And it was just, it's like, you know, now I'm like a month and a half symptom free. It's very exciting, but it's been that spiritual side of myself, like not living in alignment. Lauren and I are I think it's safe to say obsessed with human design, which is like an energetic realignment thing. So I'm like slowly, I'm just diving into all of that and almost leaving more of the physical stuff behind. And like, I can already see like there's something there, but it's so true that it's like, I said this to a client yesterday, but it's like, you will find what you're looking for as long as you keep going and also believe that anything is possible. Cause it's like, you know, whether you're more leaning towards the data driven scientific side, whatever, but it's like, well, what if there is this whole other world that is contributing to what you're experiencing? And like you said, we have the power to shift all of it, but sometimes that power is scary and we don't want to stand up and realize that we do have that power because it's a lot of power to be like, oh, I can create whatever life I want. That's both exciting and terrifying at the same time. Well, if you limit your beliefs, like you're not willing to be curious about your beliefs, then you will always be right. Mm -hmm. Whatever you think, you will always be right. So like, I mean, Eric and I have cultivated our entire friendship around like, insatiable curiosity (laughs) about things. But like, it's true, like, I believe this today, but I might get information by the end of the day that changes my belief. Totally. That's great. Changes my belief in what is possible. So, like, prove me ro- prove me wrong. I would love for you to give me evidence to prove me wrong. You know. So, I mean, and that's that sounds like it was kind of your your mo for for going through this experience, and it's cultivated this new life for you. Oh yeah, for sure. I just said I, I'm going to keep an open mind and an open heart about anything and everything. And stuff just showed up when I needed it too. Every lesson mm. showed up, every opportunity showed up, book, you name it, person, the connections, like this is all guided. I can't just make this stuff up. And you have to be open to that. And you have to take the time to cultivate that, whether that be God, whether that be source, universe, whatever you want to say, you have to take the time to get quiet and connect with that. And boy, life just makes so much more sense and it flows so much easier when we do that. Mm -hmm. And I was for so long trying to control everything, trying to live out society's belief of how we should do life and all this. And yeah, once you release that, it's so feels so much better and life just flows and healing takes place faster. Totally. Right. It it requires a a certain environment. (laughs) And sometimes we resist that. And then, okay. Oh, go ahead. I was read this quote long ago, but you can't heal in the same environment that got you sick. Oy. And I think that goes to include same environment, same food, same mindset, same, you know, all of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Environment isn't just a location. Yeah. The atmosphere. <laughs> 
<laughs> and to come down a little bit from like the spiritual side of things back into the practical, although I think spiritual spirituality is practical as well. But um, in how you manage your health today, you know, obviously everything has been impacted by your experience. There's no questioning that. But is there ever a part of you that like, do you take action in a place like, okay, I'm a cancer survivor. And so this is how I take care of myself. Or is it more, you've just gotten in touch with like your core essence and what you need. And so you kind of step from there, if that makes sense. Oh, I think it's a balance of both. Um, yeah, I just, it's all about nourishment, whether that be nourishing mm. with food, with thoughts, with, you know, spiritual things. It's all about nourishment for me. And so honestly, meditation or prayer every single morning. That's a no, I have to. Like that's, yeah, that's a given. That's been life-changing. The food I put in my body, like I'm a little more lax nowadays. Not that lax, you know. I, it's all about nourishment and how I feel. And I just listen to my body. Exercise, well, I was in the gym, you know, five days a week, bigger competition, all this sort of stuff. Nope. I listen to my body there too. It's yoga. It's walking. It's anything that nourishes my adrenals because so many times I see adrenals that are just fried from over exercising and and all that so it's just my foundation is nourishment whatever that looks like whatever that feels like it could be hiking nature my husband and I travel probably three four times a year to go hiking to various places because it is so healing and it gives us that time to connect with nature and to just mm -hmm. bring down our heart rate variability a little bit so or increase it so yeah <laughs> yeah i love that i love the idea of nourishment it's definitely something i constantly explore and evolve in my own life because i just like you in the past like to me it was like okay working out two times a day and ha not eating enough and all this stuff and then eventually you get to this point where it's like one what is it all for two it doesn't it doesn't really feel good and like what am i numbing out and so getting to that point where it, yeah it's nourishment spiritual nutritional uh, whatever you know whatever it is so important and just removing the toxins and replacing the deficiencies you know as like in ihp it's really converting yeah overall all the toxins cuz i think those play a huge role too so yeah and i also this is like a common thing. I just had a conversation with a client about this yesterday, but what you said around food and nutrition and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit more lax, but not. Um, one, because I, I have a history of disordered eating. And when I started using nutrition to help heal my body, the shift came or went from you know, oh, I can't have gluten and I can't have dairy to I get the freedom to choose food that makes me feel good. And and same with you. It's like, okay, I'm a little more lax now, but it's like, if you look at most of the food, it's like, I choose to eat the vegetables. I choose to eat the dairy-free, whatever stuff, because it makes me feel so good. And when you get this taste of feeling your best and having big energy and having enough energy to do the things you love, then it's like, I don't need the Doritos. And like, they're not even appealing anymore, even though Doritos are- I don't miss you know. dairy as much as I thought I would. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was, I was eating, I was- poisoning myself essentially for 15 years on a wrong diagnosis and once I got the data and I switched my lifestyle it was like immediate <laughs> satisfaction <laughs> it's like oh yeah I don't really even like cheese it makes me feel like garbage <laughs> 
and then you become more in tune with your body. See? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I eat it. I'll choose to eat it occasionally, and it's a conscious choice to do it, but I have tools and behaviors that will help me make that choice. So anyway, I totally agree. That's a great way to say it. I would have not th- thought of it as nourishment. I like that word and that framing. It's very like self-compassionate. Mm-hmm. The perspective mm-hmm. is everything. And like with clients too, we're not going to focus on these few foods that you can have because there's hundreds of other foods that you can have. And you know what? They all serve a purpose and all are going to do different things in the body. So let's bring in those and let's celebrate those because there's a few that you can have, but big deal. Let, you know, there's mm-hmm. so many more, there's so many options out there. So, Yeah, actually. And one last question before we go to your current favorite life hack, because I do have someone close to me who's going through chemo right now. And when she first got the diagnosis, we kind of like, I was like, you know, just like we said earlier, I was like, I don't know what to do, but like, if I can help like research or whatever, let me know. And one thing we looked into, which I didn't know existed, but like a, a holistic or functional cancer coach, essentially like someone who works alongside obviously the doctor and like the chemo, whatever, but being able to also give a plan of like, okay, here's a nutrition plan, supplements, this person that I know, she was very active before her diagnosis. So it was like, okay, it's actually beneficial for you to continue exercising because that's like a big piece of who you are. So I'm curious, do you have other resources like that or ideas? Like, so if someone's going through this, who is very health conscious and like, is very open, like I believe chemo is not the only thing that can help. Are there other resources or things like that that you you know of? Yeah, I think an integrative approach is the best approach. That's why I, at the end, got a functional doctor too. If I would have, if I would have known about that sooner, I would have had one the whole entire time, mm-hmm. for sure. I, and there's integrative cancer centers. I know there's one in Arizona. I know there's one in California. Doctor Connolly is an excellent follow on Instagram. She's an integrative cancer doctor, and she puts oh, cool. out everything. And she has a new book out too. I would dive into that. And definitely find a holistic or functional doctor who will work alongside the doctor, the other doctor, the Western doctor. Yeah. And hopefully one day that will just be the standard that you go to your, your, what is a cancer doctor called? Do they have oncologist? <laughs> go to your oncologist and then they just have an in-house integrative health coach or a functional doctor or whatever. And it is just part of the package because- it's almost Makes like sense. social work in the medical field, like to be able to guide mm. someone through like the system, the process, the so true, like emotional, like what to expect. Because none of unless you've been through it, you have no idea. Oh, my God. No idea what you're what you're up against. No. And these integrative centers, I mean, they'll look at or an organic acids test. They'll look at toxins. Oh, cool. They'll look at, oh, heavy metals. They'll look at all of it. And they'll, you know, introduce therapies such as sauna and red light and all these things, which are just so important too. And so, you know, so they work together with other therapies. And then they're like, there's fasting before chemo and fasting after chemo that can help, you know, the chemo work in certain situations. So like, there's yeah. so much to that. So definitely having both. Uh, yeah, I just, and like I said, it's like an unfortunate thing that we'll all either go through it or know someone who does. So I, I know that, you know, hopefully everyone listening, whether you need it now, hopefully this information is helpful and just helps spread some compassion and love for those that are going through this so we know how to better support people through it. One question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your current favorite life hack? 
Mm. Yeah, meditation, sauna, hiking. But meditation, like if that, if I'm a different person if I don't meditate in the morning. I hear that. Yeah, and meditation looks different for everybody. I know yeah. a lot of people hear it. I, I used to think this because I studied Zen Buddhism for a few years. Like I thought it was sitting and, and trying not to think. That was like my very limited perspective of it. And it's so much, so much bigger than that. There's so many different ways to meditate. I mm-hmm. love that. It's a great life hack. Yeah, so many different ways is right. I mean, you can go on a hike and meditate. You can lay in bed and meditate. It doesn't have to look the same for everyone. That's a great point. I love a shower meditation. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's, you can meditate anywhere. Yep. And just stay open to it. Like, that's a huge thing. Like, don't put that, I don't know how to meditate. Meditation's not for me. Don't put that block on it. Stay open to it. Absolutely. Yes. Well, lovely. Well, how can, if if some of the listeners want to connect with you, where is the best place for them to do that? Oh, I love Instagram right now. So I'm on Instagram. My Business is Holistic Nutrition LLC with a WH for holistic. And then my personal account is actually Upbeat Becky. So up B-E-E-T as in beat Becky. And then that goes through my whole cancer journey, everything like that. Oh, cool. We'll tag both of those in the show notes. And yeah, and if you want to connect with Becky, go follow her and like a few of her posts so she knows that you found her through the podcast. And Becky, thank you so much for being here today, for sharing your journey, sharing your story. It's certainly an important one to get out there. So we're very grateful for your time. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. And yes, keep shining bright, ladies. Yes. And to everyone listening, if you enjoyed the episode and maybe you know someone who is going through their cancer journey right now, share the episode with them if you if you feel called to. It might be useful or helpful to them. And otherwise, don't forget to rate and review and don't forget to stay, stay curious. Disclaimer. This podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.